Hello everyone. I'm Sandeep John and I'd like to welcome you to Rethink CX by Freshworks. Rethink CX is a series where we speak to experts about everything related to adapting and thriving in this new normal of customer service. Hosted by customer experience guru and best-selling author Micah Solomon, Rethink CX was originally a webinar series remastered into podcasts for your easy access and greater reach. In this episode, Micah caught up with Colin Taylor, the CEO of Taylor Reach Group, to discuss how to make sure your contact center evolves and comes out stronger at the end of this pandemic. Let's jump right in. Introducing ourselves. Well, let's start with Colin. Since Colin is the legend in the contact center world, he's the gentleman there uh, on my right, on your right as well. And he is a true legend in the contact center world. He can generally, in normal times, be found flying all, literally all over the world, assisting contact centers on site, assisting them with their remote uh, reconfigurations, auditing, suggesting improvements. And he does this all from when he's back home, he is in Toronto, Canada. So if you hear him say process, and I say process, just do that translation in your minds. Uh, he is not, he is also a source of uh, quirky and snarky Maple Leafs humor. If you ever need that, you can email him as well. <laughs> he can be reached uh, via his company, which is the Taylor Reach Group. Uh, that's me on your left. After I had, that may have been the last haircut I ever got. Uh, we'll see <laughs> the last haircut in my life. Um, but the, you, that's me with a little bit less hair. And I am Micah Solomon. I'm a customer experience expert. And I am a speaker, obviously a webinar host, a best-selling author. Most recently of that bright yellow book you see on the side of your screen, it is Ignore Your Customers and They'll Go Away. It's a new bestseller from HarperCollins Leadership, and it is, I'm happy to say, considered apparently an essential product by Amazon, or at least they have some books in stock. So for whatever the reason is, you can order it today and find out how to not make your customers feel ignored and therefore keep them from going away, which is also what we'll be talking about today. We have five topics here other than the ones you bring up on, your, on the Q&A. And here's number one. We're gonna talk about contact center trends in the face of COVID-19. And the first part of that is, what, what just, just very simply, what are we seeing today at contact centers? Colin, you wanna, you wanna grapple with that one? Certainly, Micah. You know, there, there's three big trends uh, that have been dominating contact centers recently. The move to the cloud, work from home, and AI self-service and automation. Those would be the big three. And which of these do you think are crisis specific? So it's just happening because we have this absolutely unprecedented situation. Or which ones, even if, if COVID was the catalyst, may be gaining such a foothold that we're never going back? Well, it's, it's interesting. All of these trends have been accelerated by COVID-19, which has fundamentally just changed the way we operate. Uh, Folks have had to move to home. They've had to uh, look at how they can support remote agents. They are looking at ways to reduce costs. So all three of these, these pre-existing trends have all been accelerated now due to COVID-19. 
And do you, do you think they they were already kind of getting there, and now they've they've gotten this big kickstart, and they will all uh, continue after things get back closer to normal? Yes, I, I I think that that's that's a very astute observation. You know, the, these things have all sort of been deuced along, if you will. And, you know, we've seen re research that says, you know, you know, half of the folks who've moved to home won't be going back into bricks and mortar uh, locations. So um, that trend has certainly been substantially accelerated uh, due to uh, COVID and the uh, realities of what we need to do to continue to operate in our you know, self-isolation world. Wow, that is quite a statistic. I, I mean, I think to be fair, nobody exactly knows what's going to happen. But if that's even close to being true, what kind of challenges does that present? Well, the organizations uh, weren't necessarily all that well prepared in every case to support the work from home. Um, and, you know, we saw, you know, in research we've seen more than 30% have had issues uh, moving their staff to home, issues from things like networks to we laptops they're supposed to use to, you know, we don't have enough headsets, um, but even things like hotspots and uh, config, configuration security issues, exactly. And are there any solutions? I mean, I, I think a very important one is to engage Taylor Reach, but uh, I'm biased because <laughs> I like you, Colin. What, what, what else can they do, even if they're doing it DIY? Well, you know, just assuming they're not going to follow your your, your guidance, um, they've you know, and a lot of them have already uh, worked to upgrade their their networks, um, and uh, they have are building out a more, much more robust sort of business continuity plan. Uh, but they've needed to to also change processes. You know, how do we hire and train remotely? How do we do quality work and assess quality remotely? How do we forecast and schedule staff? Um, who are working from home rather than in the bricks and mortar environment. Um, so the work from home has really gone hand in hand with a move to the cloud. And uh, once they got past the initial panic of, oh my God, now what do we do? Uh, they started to focus on how do we deal with, uh, uh, d deal with the challenges that are, uh, that are facing us uh, in terms of uh, contact volumes, you know, as we saw from the, uh, from the polls a moment ago. Uh, all I would say was we are on topic two, and this is the interesting and probably fraught topic of contact center cost reductions. There are opportunities with all of the both technology and the work from home movement, or ethos at least that we have right now, but there are pitfalls as well. How should companies be thinking about cost reductions in contact centers right now, would you say, Colin? Yeah, uh, traditionally, you know, contact centers have been viewed as cost centers, either rightly or wrongly. That's that's been a moniker that's been attached to them, and consequently, there have been sort of three primary drivers to try and reduce costs. Uh, first was cost uh, call deflection, you know, trying to move uh, cost to to lower cost channels, uh, you know, lower cost locations. Well, today I don't know if I can get much much less expensive than than working from my living room. Um, and automation and self-service, getting you know, allowing customers to to service themselves. Um, so, so those would be sort of the three major uh, initiatives that have that, that the contact centers have been working towards to uh, uh, the cost of operation. And to dig a little deeper into that, can you tell uh, us a little more about what these changes are looking like and and how they're affecting the contact centers? 
Yeah, you know, um, you know, contact center uh, call deflection. You know, that's you know, making folks do more online. You know, uh, you know, instead of handling a voice call, you know, do you know, handle it via chat or SMS messaging. Um, you know, uh, you know, self service and automation, giving them more options to try and resolve issues themselves. You know, in in a lot of these areas, you know, you know, inertia has has been one of the biggest barriers to moving forward, mm. and you know. COVID-19 really, uh, you know, uh, really changed all of that as we've been forced to operate differently and we can no longer look at things with the, if it ain't broke, I don't need to fix it approach that a lot of folks had in their mind. So of all these trends, which are you seeing having the most effect these days? Well, certainly, uh, you know, um, automation and self-service uh, have sort of followed along behind sort of this whole work from home initiative um, and work from home, as we saw with the polls, has increased contact volume. So there have been folks scurrying around trying to, uh, you know, place uh, recordings on their hold messages, directing you to the Internet and the <laughs> website, right. and maybe you can get help there. And they're really, they're really slammed trying to handle the call. So call deflection has probably been the biggest priority. And part of that has been through channel shifting and the other part has been through self-service and automation. And there, are there right ways and wrong ways to do that? Well, like everything, there, you know, there are better ways and, uh, you know, and less right. better ways. Better and, better and, and less better. Right. Yes. Yeah. Tell us more. Uh, well, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, call deflection by some organizations is simply we're going to take our 800 number off everything and you can't find a way to contact us. That will work, but that is not a recommended strategy because that compromises your customer experience and your relationships you have with your customers. So you mean um, literally, uh, literally they wouldn't, they wouldn't be taking phone calls anymore? Exactly. You know, we've, we, we've actually had clients who's, you know, who, who have revealed their, their strategy of removing the toll-free number from everything so you can't find them. Um, and while it will work, uh, you know, uh, but we've also seen, you know, you know if you look at um, uh, a lot of the social-based uh, companies out there and tech startups, they don't have a toll-free number. They may have an email address. They may allow chat, but, you know, but it is just about impossible to try and find a toll-free number in terms of contacting them. And that is not accidental. <laughs> well, one of the ways that, uh, one of the ways that a lot of this is changing is that uh, we're seeing a lot of messaging and chat, almost a demand for this by customers. So what is the, what is the number one appeal of, of this for a contact center? Well, you know, first of all, you know, there is going to be, I think, two, two, two benefits. It's going to be you know, the fact that chat or SMS messaging or messaging services, chatbots, all represent lower cost channels than traditional voice. So, okay, we're, so we're, save, save money. And, and why is that? Well, well, because you're going to have the ability to do more things simultaneously. With a voice call, you're sort of limited to the number of mouths you have. And personally, I just have one. Um, uh, but uh, with things like chat, you can actually manage multiple simultaneous interactions. So in, in many centers, two, three, or four simultaneous interactions in, in, you know, during the time that they might be handling one phone call. And they're able to do that through the magic of templated content 
um, and and the being able to send you know information for the customer to read and by the time the customer has read it and comes back with the next query question clarification ask you know you you've been able to look after two or three other customers so that significantly improves the productivity of the agent it reduces your cost per interaction and in a lot of cases customers will actually have a higher satisfaction with chat than they will have in the voice channel and that's especially true to today where where you may be hearing you know your estimated time of, of answer is 92 minutes um, chat can be a very attractive alternative so I was involved with a, a, a case study with T-Mobile and this is just a, just a, some time ago and T-Mobile is a Seattle company, which is where I'm based. And I was in, involved with, with seeing how well it had worked right after they did it. And it, it was quite remarkable. What they did was without any fanfare and T-Mobile is one of our big uh, mobile providers here in the U.S. What they did without any fanfare is they added another button onto their app. So they already had a button said, that said, call, call us. And it's in magenta, which is their famous color. So they just added another button, which was message, message with us. And without any advertising, an extraordinary number of, of customers used the messaging button and they never went back. And the agents liked it better as well. And why was that? Well, it was, they liked the way the time worked. The customer would message them when it worked for them. And then if the agent said, I need to go and research something, the customer was okay with it because it was persistent. They could continue chatting or sorry, messaging with the same agent uh, 15 minutes later after they had researched something. And the customers would do the same thing. They'd be like, well, I got to take my kids to soccer. I'll get back with you in uh, 20 minutes. Now I hope and trust they were not messaging while they were taking the kids to customer, <laughs> but, but both agent and uh, customer appreciated the way the time worked. And they also appreciated that it was similar to how they conduct their daily lives. Uh, we message so much um, these days in our, in our personal lives, but Colin, are you seeing resistance to this? What about customer resistance? No, I, you know, I think there, there are often folks talk, talk about the folks that uh, are, are the fact that maybe people don't want to be uh, chatting or, or messaging back and forth. But, I, you know, but I, I think these are really the channels that customers are using in their daily life. Anyway, I think your, your example there from the uh, T-Mobile is, is exactly spot on. Um, we're already communicating in these, in these channels. We're just not doing it with you. Um, and, you know, one of the tenets of, you know, of customer service and customer experience is to be available in the channels your customers use. We want to make it easy for them. We don't want to force them into, into only the channels which we choose uh, because those would, you know, could, could be very inconvenient. You know, imagine if instead of uh, getting, you know, picking up your SMS stream and your text, your messaging stream 15 minutes later, you had to sit on hold the whole time. Um, you know, customers want us to be able to communicate in these channels, and and I think that any discussion of resistance is, is really pretty overblown these days. Uh, this is a, probably not a reference that I should admit to having, but um, I watch Real Housewives of New York because my wife watches it, and um, <laughs> that's I, I I enjoy it as well, but. Uh, 
this actually came up last last night. One of the younger housewives was saying that uh, she had chatted with her mom about some sensitive subject, and and the older one thought that that wasn't um, older housewife thought that that wasn't uh, an acceptable way to have a heavy duty conversation. But I think that the consensus was that it was okay. And I think that's the consensus that we're moving towards more and more in our personal lives. And so certainly in something that is uh, related to commerce, it's, it's perfectly fine. And you can bring in your personality as well. If you want to see what I consider the world's best live chat ever, Google, um, let's see, what you, you can find it in my book, I think, but you can Google it as well. It's Amazon and type in Thor, T-H-O-R, and live chat. And it's this remarkable live chat where uh, it was actually one of the guys, one of the contact center agents first days on the work, on the job. And his name is literally Thor, like the Norse god. And the, uh, they do a whole role play with the customer who, who asks if he can be Odin, uh, which is Thor's dad. And so you can bring your personality into it. And um, I think during challenging times, this actually has a um, an, uh, an opportunity to provide comfort to customers as well as, of course, get their answers to them. We're going to now talk about managing the surge. So at the beginning of this, we did a poll and the majority of you guys are seeing an increase. Some of you are seeing a decrease and some of you uh, volume seem just about the same, but the plurality was that we're facing an increase. So what are the right ways to manage increasing volumes? Uh, Colin, I can tell you're not a fan of just uh, making people hold for 92 minutes. And sometimes we have to answer this question even when we're working with reduced staff. Do you mind talking about that for just a little bit? Certainly, Micah. You know, if, you know, if I were leading a contact center organization to, to today in, in the COVID-19 environment, I, I think I do a lot of a lot of what folks have already done. You, you, you start with work from home. You, you got to send everyone home because you can't continue to operate the way you did. Now, there are a lot of folks who carried on operating their bricks and mortar center as long as possible. They employed social distancing, you know, only using every other station, and they did that to try and smooth out the, the shift mm. to work from home. Um, and, you know, and, and a few of them are still required by law to, to continue to operate. Uh, but you know, but work from home would certainly be the would certainly be the first the first initiative. And you it know, work from home. Sorry, go ahead. No, I I I apologize. I was just going to say, you know, work from home. You know, folks assume that there's all this t technology involved, and it's actually going to be, you know, a, you know, a, a, an expensive cost or burden to to the organization. But, uh, you know, an organization called Global Workplace Analytics actually has identified the fact that companies can save about $11,000 per employee per annum, and employees can save two to $4,000 a year uh, in, in reduced costs. Um, so, you know, so this is not necessarily more expensive. It's different, and there are a lot of things that you need to do to support it. Uh, but it is actually a lower cost way of delivering service than the traditional bricks and mortar contact center. And, and we, it's this, you know, this is one of these things that is just like fundamentally true. You know, you don't have the commuting costs. You possible, you know, let your conscience be your guide, but you may not have the uh, daycare costs that you had before. 
so so for the employee, it can be less expensive. I mean, until until the man, the boss figures this out and uh, starts paying you less. But up to that point, um, I, it is it's less expensive for everyone. Uh, you know, some of the disadvantages we've seen, you know, you're closer to that refrigerator. I think we have all seen that. Uh, yeah, but but the other disadvantages, like hearing dogs bark and such, I think we're all we're kind of used to that. It can even be a um, a topic starter. Zappos is uh, great about this one. They even working from their contact center. If they hear a dog barking at the other end, at the customers, end, they will use that to provide a, a moment of connection. They'll be like, "Oh, what kind of dog do you have?" And then they'll talk about dogs for a bit. So um, the kind of rough around the edges, I think, actually fits with um, what was already a bit of a trend, which was customers wanting a more authentic peer-on-peer -peer style of customer service, a little less scripted, or at least the script being a little less obvious. Now, Colin, if you were running the uh, contact center today in the face of COVID-19, what would you change ideally if you had a magic wand? Well, you know, I think that we would need to look at, you know, uh, we've got everyone now, we're working from home. We need to direct callers to the website where they can probably get some self-service tips and ideas. Um, I'd put in place a callback feature and I'd add chat to, to the website center as quickly as I could. Uh, as we said, it improves the productivity of agents and it's going to reduce the, uh, the cost of the interactions. That'll actually shrink down the size of that call queue and the, those 92 minutes should come down to hopefully something a little more manageable. Uh, then I'd look at things like IVR self-service, look at uh, what type of automations we can put in place there to allow people to, to, to serve themselves. Um, and, and then I get folks, so uh, you know, working on researching chatbots and voice bots, so that we can look at how we can take another chunk of that incoming contact volume and, and automate that. And what what about operational and service quality? How do we maintain those, and what's involved? Yeah, yeah, those, you know, the the points I covered were really all pretty much uh, technical, I, I guess. But right, you know, right, the. The operations themselves are fundamentally different working for, from home. Uh, we need to redesign our, our processes, our procedures. We need to figure out how, how are we going to manage quality assurance uh, in, in a remote environment? How are we going to coach our agents? How are we going to do workforce management and workforce planning? How are we going to make folks feel connected? How are we going to ensure that, that, that we don't lose our, our corporate culture because everyone is, is separate and, and kept away from each other? So, you know, you really need to take conscious effort to reinforce and maintain that culture and that engagement for, from the agent side as well. I think that's absolutely true. And I think in some ways it's, it's people will be more involved, more engaged, sorry, because they're simply more comfortable. But in other ways, you know, you don't, you can't have the same exact same kind of office spirit that um, you either enjoyed or that you, uh, you, know, you hated as in the, the uh, absolutely superb movie office space where you know, someone's always stealing your stapler. So either, uh, either you love it or you hate it or somewhere in the middle, but the good parts of that, we do need to find ways to recreate them. 
And now I'm getting kind of philosophical and I do actually want to end with uh, a little bit of philosophy. Uh, Colin, do you have some parting thoughts about customer experience you're up for sharing? Sure, Micah, happy to. Uh, you know, first, you know, and, and these are things I think we've touched on uh, a little bit in, in the discussions thus far, but you know, first, you, you want to give your customers a choice. You want to be in the channels that your customers want to use. That makes it easier for them, and that makes it easier for, for you to satisfy their needs and requirements. Uh, second, implement self-service, AI, automation. And the aim there should be to deliver service that, that does not adversely impact the customer experience or customer's satisfaction. Customers are real happy serving themselves if, if they can do something quickly and effectively and information without dealing with a human being, they're often willing to do that. Third, I think you've got to provide your frontline staff with the tools that they need to be successful. You know, if we don't equip them properly, if we don't train them properly, if we don't provide support for them so that they can get help and they fail, well, it's not really their fault. It's really ours. So we've got to be there to provide the tools that they need. And I guess lastly, you know, in this time of, you know, COVID-19, we need to remember that the staff may be feeling isolated and stressed. You know, they aren't surrounded by a cadre of friends and peers that they can nudge when they need help. They're not working from an unusual environment. It may be their home, but it's still not where they're used to doing their work. So you need to check in with them and you need to do it often. And you need to make sure that they're doing okay and provide them with the opportunity to, to get support or assistance or coaching. Uh, we really just need to keep an eye out for, for, for their well-being in, in, this, uh, in this time. And there are some technical assists assist to that. There's a company here in Seattle called LimeAid, um, L-I-M-E-A-D-E, um, that is all about making this sense of connection, uh, even with remote workers. And uh, Freshworks has a lot built into its uh, its uh, platforms as well. I think these are very important points. And what I want to talk about is just a little bit different for my closing thought. It's just that what we do as customer service professionals, it's important. It's important. It's not all transactional. In this time of crisis and in other times of crisis, it often goes beyond the text of the conversation to deeper opportunities to assess. And sometimes that's just your tone of voice. Sometimes it's how well you designed the self-service system or deployed it uh, so that it is not frustrating. So it's uh, as easy to use as the best um, of consumer products, which today are quite good. A friendly, empathetic, well-trained voice on the th phone or well-trained thumbs in a chat session can truly be comfort in a world where everything else seems out of whack. Zappos, which is our, a great uh, customer-focused company, actually during COVID-19, they're thinking, well, what else can we, what else can we offer? Where, how can we go beyond selling shoes and apparel? And what they decided was customer service was their core competency. So they have been advertising now that you can call their contact center or what they call their customer loyalty team. And just ask anything. You want to shoot the breeze. You need a friend. You want to talk about puppies, whatever it is, they're there to talk to, with you. You don't have to have a delivery issue. You don't have to be calling to make a shoe purchase. And I think what they're getting at is that what we do really makes a difference beyond you know, solving tickets. 
So now you've heard us blather for a while and we wanna hear from you. We've got quite a few questions that came in already, but you can keep typing them. It's where that, on, on my screen, you have to hover over it, but it's where the little, um, the little speech bubble is. Uh, it says Q and A, it's not the chat, it's the Q and A. Um, give us more and we'll get through them uh, as we see fit. Chris Nilsson gave us two wonderful ones and um, actually gave us three, but one we already answered, which is uh, how is the popularity of messaging related to how we use this in our personal lives? And the answer is absolutely yes. His other opinion was that youngest, youngest uh, customers like millennials and Gen Z message the most. I think that the way to think about millennials right now is if you can get things right for millennials, go for it because a week later, that's what their parents are gonna want as well. That's what their older siblings are gonna want as well. So if you can at least get the tech right for millennials, you will um, ultimately be helping everybody. And one of the things to understand about millennials and Gen Z, it's not that they're tech savvy. There's some truth to that, but they are tech intolerant tech intolerant. What I mean by this is if you had my 1984 Mac classic right now and you handed it to my son who's Gen Z or my daughter who is uh, a millennial. Well, I'll tell you what my daughter did. She took it apart and she uh, started exploring the guts. But as far as using it as a consumer, it would drive them crazy to install software. You have to put in a floppy drive, take it out. You have to be there for an hour or two to install software. They are tech intolerant. They want everything to work as well as their iPhone works, as well as the best apps work. So that is when we design self-service. That is the standard we are being held to. But if you get that right, it's gonna work for their older brothers and sisters as well. Chris's other questions are, uh, how can businesses help their employees deal with internet infrastructure issues? Connectivity and bandwidth issues uh, persist. Uh, what helps? Extra hardware, secondary screens, persistent batteries for a blackout. Colin, what do you think is most important here? Well, you know, I think it's it's a great question because a lot of contact center organizations actually lost workers in, in the shift to work from home because the folks got home and they didn't have the bandwidth to actually be able to function um, because, you know, high speed is, is, is a variable term in a lot of ge geographies. So um, we have seen clients who've sent out home hotspots uh, to use for, for the audio and they've actually run the voice channel over their cell phones. Um, uh, organizations often may not have have had enough bandwidth in place initially to support work from home, so they've had to increase their their inf you know their infrastructure uh, bandwidth and activity. Um, you know we we've seen organizations trying to shrink down the the footprint, reduce the stop call recording from being uh, uh, across the uh, connection, and uh, rather batch it uh, at the end of the day when uh, the agent logs off. So there are some things that folks can do to try and minimize. You said, you said batch it, right? Yes, batch. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. Thank you. You know, it's uh, basically you would you know, just save all the call recordings locally, and you'd send them to to the mothership at the end of at the end of your day or the end of your shift, rather than trying to manage uh, to record across the internet uh, uh, session, which. Uh, by doing that, it eliminates uh, some of the potential contention and improves performance. 
So those would be some of the do ideas, have, some things we see. Do we have backup issues at all, or is everything going to the cloud and we can essentially trust that whatever backup uh, scenario we had before is still going to work? Yeah, pretty much everything to, to today is 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 cloud based or being moved back and forth to the cloud. Um, so, so there really isn't a a, a local backup issue. Uh, the 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 challenge is when you have very large files like call like uh, call voice recording, audio recordings, or have screen recordings. Um, those are very large and they can just take up a lot of the bandwidth that you might want to use. I don't know for talking, you know, or for having a system be responsive. Uh, as you look for a customer, so um, so clouds, you know, cloud is pretty much uh, uh, you know a, a a given for for most organizations uh, in, in their work from home environment. I have a little bandwidth tip, and this is super basic. But uh, when we bought our house, it was wired for uh, high speed internet via our cable provider, and so everyone in the house uses. The, the Wi-Fi off of the cable box. But what I do right here and why I'm not worried about bandwidth at all is um, I found the place in the wall where I can actually take the pure ethernet uh, connection and it, it really does make a difference. So if you have that in your home, you know, make, make use of it. I know that's a very basic tip, but some people would think, oh, you know, how bad can Wi-Fi be? Well, it may not be that bad, but you can you can improve things a bit. Yeah, a wired connection we, will always be better. Unless, well, yes, unless it's a modem, like eighties modem on. A, <laughs> what is that on? Is that on Mystery Science Theater three thousand? The eighties modem. I can't remember. Um, uh, maybe. Oh no, no, that was on the Muppets. That was in one of the Muppets movies. Well, you can see I have a very infantile or at least juvenile set of re references here. I have an involved question here from, and I am going to mispronounce your name, but it's something along the lines of Raison Ferreira, F-E-R-R-E-I-R-A. And the answer, the question is, hello, everybody. I'm a community coordinator at an esports platform in Brazil. Basically, gamers can play championships through our website. During the COVID period, we are receiving around 7,000 more calls than usual. As this is something we cannot predict, would you have any tips for not overloading current agents, considering that it is not a good option to hire new ones? Now, what Mr. or Ms. Ferreira is leaving out is what your normal uh, volume is, but let's just assume that uh, the 7,000 is... Um, is uh, out of whack. He provided an another number here as well, which is his April num his or her April numbers are 12,000 chats for premium users, 19,000 tickets for premium and free users. Colin, you want to dig into that for a moment? Yeah, it, you know, uh, based on, on the model, it sounds like they're using, they, they've got a free version and a premium version. And I suspect that they're service promise is going to be much better for the premium, i.e. paid users than for the freebies. Um, and I suspect that most of their resources are gonna be allocated to, to, to provide that. Now, they're, they're getting a surge in calls, they already have chat, so they've already mitigated the situation to some degree. Um, there is a real risk of burnout uh, in, in, you know, with, with agents. Um, uh, typically, you don't want to see their occupancy stay over you know the low 90s for very long in terms of a percentage. No, definitely that's, not. 
you know, um, and yet in today's world, uh, literally you can get a call right after a call, right after a call, and they can get 58, 59 minutes, an hour of actual customer interaction time. The way you protect them from, from that overload, uh, it actually penalizes your callers, but that is to enforce, uh, an after, you know, an after call work, uh, uh, break so you can you know intentionally program a hard a hard break in there of x seconds between calls which can over the course of the hour allow you to manage down the the occupancy so so that they, they don't get overloaded um, of course you know the you know if you start a lot of the types of questions they're likely receiving are going to be repetitive you know put those on the IVR you know uh, you know you know you know while they're on hold um, you'll have an opportunity to say you know here here are the you know the the most common questions and answers we're getting uh, you 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 we can also to- use um, we can also use AI for this as well Freshworks has the most adorable yep. AI uh, AI that I've I can imagine it's a little dog uh, named Freddie and Freddie is your buddy. So what, what Freddie can do is apply uh, AI and machine learning to, uh, to answer some of this repetitive stuff as well. Exactly. So, you know, the, the simple way is to, to record it. And if you have the ability or the tools uh, uh, available to deploy AI, you, you can start to automate a number of interaction types. I see a call that's come in here from a true hero. This is Robert Flaniak, Bob Flaniak. He is the president and CEO of Chrome. Chrome is a credit union in Western, Western-ish Pennsylvania. It's not too far outside of, of Pittsburgh. And why the reason I say that Bob's a hero is because you've been hearing about these big banks that have been essentially blowing off smaller. This is all a, a U.S. A U.S. issue. This does not apply internationally. But uh, the the U.S. government provided a bunch of money for small businesses, and yet some of the banks did not think it was worth their time to actually process these loans. Well, Bob has been working round the clock with his people to make sure at least their credit union customers, what they call members, are able to apply and receive these essential loans. So I think the least we can do for you, Bob, is to answer your question, which is how do you monitor the productivity of agents that are now working from home? Yeah, um, you know, if they're on your phone system, you're still getting the same phone report. So you still can see how many calls they handled, what their talk time was, what their after call work was. I'm sorry, I should um, be sharing this coffee, but it's pretty cold. You wouldn't want it anyway. <laughs> Um, so, you know, there, there are, you know, there are the existing reporting you have in place for calls or for cases or tickets should be, should, should be accessible. Um, what most organizations have found is that they've seen a a decrease in productivity when people work for, from home. Um, but, but the reporting should still be, you should still be able to gauge their performance using the existing reports you already had in place. Okay. Excellent. So, I mean, but, you know, let's, let's expand on Bob's question because, um, you know, there are two camps of management thought. One is uh, empower, and that's that. The other, well, there's three. The other, the, the third one is don't trust anyone. And the one in the middle is trust and verify. Where do you come down on this, uh, Colin? Are people working at home generally more productive, less productive, a mix? 
Yeah, uh, what, what we've, we've seen with our clients is, is that they've seen a decrease in productivity. Um, so so call, call and contacts are taking longer uh, to, to get to resolution. Now, that may be because there isn't a supervisor behind them telling them to hurry up, um, or, or it may be the fact that people are just asking more questions now, now given the situation we're, we're in. But productivity is down, handle time is, is up. Now, on the plus side, uh, attendance has improved significantly, but then it, 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 it's, it's hard to get lost between the bedroom and, 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 you know, and, your, and your office uh, when you work at home. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think productivity is a, you know, I'm going to bring up Zappos again. So Zappos is famous for having exceptional customer service. And what I say about Zappos is that they are only able to do this by having breathing space. I don't know their figures during the COVID-19 crisis, but prior to that, they were running at only 60 to 70% agent occupancy. So 60 to 70%. And they were doing this on purpose because they want a call to be able to go longer. They want it to be able to be the right length for the customer and for the issue involved. Now, you may not have the economics to support this, but if you do, it's a great way to use the customer experience as a competitive advantage. Now, Bob had a, a, one more little follow-up question here. Bob, yes, I'm going to let you have two here because I think this is of general, general interest. Should we be concerned with agents using their personal Wi-Fi from home from a security aspect? And the short answer is heck yes. The longer answer is, I think we can mitigate the concerns. Colin, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you, uh, shared, shared internet access is problematic. Uh, it's possible that, that there's a sniffer on there or there's somebody trapping packets as they go back and forth. Typically, though, the bigger risk is the 13-year-old in the other room who's just decided to, to do online <laughs> gaming um, and, and your bandwidth va vanishes in the middle of a call. Um, number of organizations now are, you know, when they did the, deployed the work from home, they initially started with use your computer, use your internet, both of which are really bad ideas. Um, and they have been uh, supplanted uh, predominantly or, or in most instances uh, with Chromebooks or laptops, which are pre-imaged, which have no removable storage capabilities. And they've installed either uh, separate Wi-Fi connectivity or in some cases, they've installed landlines, um, both of which uh, give give better control and security uh, on both the device, the uh, as well as the internet and audio. It's kind of cute that they think that the that you can only steal data via a removable um, a removable drive. Uh, but uh, I mean, what's considered best practice of a VPN? Yeah, VPN would be the, it w would be the ide ideally the best way to go because then you're into a secure connection. On the other end of the secure connection, you Chromebook or a laptop um, that is imaged that only does the things that we want it to do. So you you can't c copy and paste and be printing out credit card n numbers or something. Um, and you know, and you you know, and you're running everything across the VPN, so everything is secure. So so that would be the gold standard. Shike Raymond asked a question, which I think is the same question as we just answered. But let me just read it verbatim, Colin, in case there's any context that it gives us that we, that we should want to answer. 
what is the best way of maintaining quality in the customer experience? And how should we keep regular checks that people are adhering to, sh to the, during the shift uh, work from home? Well, the maintaining quality, um, that's partly monitoring, but it's also partly not overworking the agents, which uh, Colin was warning about before. Colin, anything else you want to say? This is kind of two questions in one. Yeah, you know, you're, you're likely going to continue your, your pre-existing quality monitoring process. Um, uh, and, and you're going to have to acknowledge the fact that people... Wait, I need to translate that. Um, for, for those of us who are uh, outside of Canada, or at least outside the, the Commonwealth, he just said process. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 you know, normally I come equipped with subtitles, but uh, this is much more helpful. <laughs> um, Sorry, carry you know, on with the process. We, we've, we've also seen that, that be, you know, as I spoke about earlier, you can't always uh, monitor live, so we're having to rely on caller recordings or audio recordings. Uh, organizations are looking at how they can leverage uh, speech analytics uh, or text analytics in the case of chat or email, uh, and speech analytics can help guide, you know, uh, you know guide, guide the quality staff to potentially problematic calls, very long calls, very short calls. Some can give an analysis based on volume or tone or word spotting for bad Anglo-Saxon verbs and adjectives. Um, and that can, can really help the quality team focus in on specific issues. Um, I, th I think in the current crisis, we've got to acknowledge that folks are stressed. It's difficult for them. They don't have the normal support in the same proximity. Um, so it's important that quality coaches and supervisors really try and maintain an open connection with their staff for throughout their shifts and throughout their day. We advocate having webcams so people can actually wave if they need help, which is much the same as what people would have done in the contact center when they put up their arm. Uh, and their supervisor who's only 10 or 15 feet away is likely going to see that. Um, so a um, bit of a long-winded answer, but I think that we need to do the same things we've done. We need to be a little more patient and appreciate what some of the challenges are. And we can look at some of the technologies uh, to, 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 to help us uh, uh, perhaps have better clues and cues in terms of how we can assist our staff. This is also a po potential positive. If you're analyzing whatever method you use, if you're analyzing the calls, uh, sometimes you will discover new best practices. Um, there's a company, Call Miner, um, that all they do is uh, the recording and the uh, translation uh, to text of of everything that goes on in a contact center. And one example which uh, I've, I uncovered with with them recently was that uh, they actually headed off at the pass a problem for one of their their customers, which was a console manufacturer. Uh, they, when they were doing a quick read on some of the calls that had come in, they had this uh, preponderance of words like smoke and fire. So at first, the execs looking at this, this is an absolutely true story. First, the execs looking at this thought this was part of the um, gaming, right? The gameplay. But it turned out that actually a few um, users of the console had noticed that they were smoking the console, not the user. And so they were getting out of the house for fear of fire. And luckily all this happened before the console had been widely released. So they were able to deal with this there rather than over a big internet frenzy. So uh, whatever you can get out of the calls. Also later on, um, 
later on with surveys that come in, one thing I'm an advocate of is don't just look at the overall number. Don't just look at the uh, five if it's one through five or the tens if it's one through 10. That in the past what was the best practice, but also try to read uh, the verbatims because sometimes when someone has taken the time to give you a full on answer, it's gonna have interesting material in that as well. Uh, a company called Safe Light Autoglass is covered in my book as that's one of the most important ways they've made improvements. They'd already gotten their NPS up quite high, but when they started looking at the verbatims, it provided them a lot of uh, fodder for innovation and improvements. Bye. Um, thank you guys so much. It's I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new for your business today. From the entire team at Freshworks, I want to thank you for your time. All the best and stay safe.